Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome all you cool ghouls and friendly fiends. It's the House of the Unusual podcast. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky. With me, as always, are my good buddies, Eddie Guevara, Chuck Caputo, and Jason Blakey. What's hey, up, everyone? All right. I want to thank everybody for joining us once again for on whatever platform you're listening to us. Please subscribe to the our podcast. Give us a good review if you're liking what we're doing. It really helps us out with the algorithms and all that, and we definitely want to bump up those numbers. You can also find us on YouTube. Just search in House of the Unusual. You'll see it come up and subscribe to our channel, like our videos. Eddie and Chuck are always putting out some cool stuff on there, so definitely check it out. And don't forget about our flagship site, thehouseoftheunusual.com. That's houseoftheunusual.com. We have a free forum there, and we have links to all of our other cool stuff. So you don't want to miss out on that. All right. We have a lot to cover today. We're going to talk about some, some of our favorite or just some obscure movies that we know of. We're going to dive a little bit into those. But first, we want to see how everybody's doing today. So we're going to start off with uh, Chuck. So All Charles, right. what's new, buddy? <laughs> hey, not too much. I tell you what, keep him busy doing a lot of shows and i just stopped at the storage unit today to put some more stuff in there so that's going really well too going well and shows are picking up and hopefully sherry is uh starts getting a lot better out there so we will be yeah you know we'll what even, praying for you know what even the sea monkeys look a little concerned you know and <laughs> yeah how are the sea monkeys doing are, are they still big, doing well big one's a real big chubby one i guess that's me sherry <laughs> named them uh joe eddie and uh so uh, Chuck, you know, and Michael, and <laughs> nice. so yeah, yeah, they're doing good. Uh, you know what? Eddie has the raw footage. Sherry did a synopsis from the very beginning when she first got the kit, when she first, you know, put them into the water, and as uh, days went on, she made another clip, and so she sent the raw footage. So sometime in the near future, Eddie's going to come out with a cool video. So it's uh, it's uh, pretty cool. Nice. Well, we can't wait for that. So sounds yeah. cool. All right, Eddie, what's been new over at House of the Unusual? Almost ready to launch ship times one important thing i wanted to bring up here is uh, one is everybody was given an assignment and they're actually everybody's doing it but jason's almost got his uh order of the way yeah it's getting started it's getting started that's for the book because my goal is to try to publish the book before october and that would be a great sell especially for the halloween season and i'm talking about the book that's gonna be the seven foot monster that never was those amazing stories of comic book mail order. The thing I was going to say, Joe, is um, also we've been making some sales, which is great. Uh, Chuck's magic apparatus is selling, and that's unique because it's only one or two of a kind, and you can find that only on Etsy. So uh, that's great. One of them just ran out. So whoever gets it out there probably be worth a million dollars in two months. So all right, so we uh, well we'll turn it over to Jason real quick and see what's new with him. And Jason, any anything on the realm of of uh kung fu booklets or anything like that have you picked up anything cool lately yeah i came across a picture of a book that i thought was totally fictitious i didn't even think it was real i thought when you ordered they would just ship you some other book but uh one guy had a copy and i managed to to talk him into trading it to me and uh i finally have a copy of the secrets of yawara power so um which was a total ripoff of a previous book so it was uh 
<laughs> they, all amazing. they did was trace the images it's uh and and drop about a quarter of the content so it was that's uh, amazing that's amazing i told you that's right you were looking for that really bad yeah well not really bad because i didn't even think they existed but uh there was i got lucky i got lucky wow very cool all right all right guys so we are going to start off talking about some of our favorite or just some obscure movies that we know about that we want to bring out to the uh forefront so they could be in the realm of horror sci-fi westerns cartoons whatever your, your little heart desires out there but uh we're going to talk about some of these movies that are great and they really just don't get the recognition that we think they deserve so we're gonna put chuck right on the forefront and have him start off with one of his favorite or just an obscure movie that he he wants to talk about so what do you got chuck all right you know what sherry and i both actually like this movie uh she's the one that brought it up and i do remember parts of it and we watched it the other day it's from 1966 it's called the frozen dead and uh i don't know if any of you guys have heard of this or what but uh when i was a real young kid i remember parts of it and Sherry does remember more of it, so we sat down and watched it. It's a really cool movie. Uh, there's a guy who's uh, who lives in England, and he's a scientist. And he's a German scientist. And his niece and her friend come out to visit him. And the, the friend of the niece, the girl, uh, actually gets murdered. And then uh, the scientist was looking for a way to actually freeze a person's brain or, like, uh, suspend it. And so, yeah, so she ha he had her head on a on a platter hooked up to all kind of things. And, uh, <laughs> it was, it was pretty slick. And, uh, there was like a, like a wall of arms with, you know, with wires attached to it, like electrodes and all this stuff. And so she would secretly make these arms move through like mind control. It kind of almost was along the lines of the brain that wouldn't die. It was very, very similar, like in a lot of ways, but, uh, but it's a cool movie. You know what? It has a good twist to it. And, uh, uh, the actual uh, laboratory and all this stuff is really cool scenery. So if you guys want to check that out, it's called The Frozen Dead from 1966. And when Sherry comes on, she'll tell you more about it. That's one of her favorite movies, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I've never I don't think I've ever heard of that one. Frozen Dead from 1966. I'm going to try to look it up uh, now. What, what was it uh, like a monster movie? Uh, sci I guess sci-fi you would you would classify it as and the uncle was Dana Andrews and uh, you know he's a he's an old-time actor from the 40s I believe and uh, it was a really cool he, it was a really cool story you know uh, he he had some German soldiers frozen like suspended animation from the from, from World War two so that's the whole premise behind it and, oh, uh, yeah I see it's a it was a British uh, science fiction and horror film right yeah i've never heard of that one that looks really i tell you that looks really cool yeah check it out you know and it was in color too i was surprised uh, from 1966 i mean i don't think there was too many movies in color back then some i guess but this one was yeah i'm looking i'm looking at some of the photos now so there was like a uh, uh a brain that's on the table that looks or just a head rather that looks like kind of just bluish but it reminds you of um <laughs> yeah Oh, what was that movie? What was that order black and white movie with the uh, the lady that had it was just her brain on the table? Yeah, is that the brain that wouldn't die, right? Yeah, the brain that wouldn't die, yeah, yeah. It, it, <laughs> from yeah, 1962. Yeah, yeah, it was very similar. The brain that wouldn't die had some big goon that was locked in the closet, remember? And then she controlled him to come out and choke everybody. Well, well, this girl in 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 uh, this movie, The Frozen Dead, 
she controlled the arms that were attached to the wall, you know, like corpses arms. And then uh, the arms were, were choking people later. So it was very similar to it. And uh, her famous words in this movie was, were really cool. Uh, when her friend did finally find her head on the platter with these, all these wires attached, she said, bury me, bury me. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was really cool. So, yeah, that's cool. And you know, it, and it reminds me of another film too that we'll cover. It and it's uh, kind of like a it's obscure kind of TV movie, but it's called "They Saved Hitler's Brain" oh. from 1968, and it looks just like that. <laughs> you know, the brain that wouldn't die, and they saved Hitler's brain. They all have the same kind of concept of this head that's just alive and, and being kept alive. But yeah. this one's uh, this one is a really different movie. It came out, you know, like I said, in 1968. It was a, it was adapted for television from a shorter 1963 film, which was called Mad Men of Mandoras. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this one was about World War II is over. Nazi officials remove Adolf Hitler's living head and hide it in the fictional South American country of Mandoras so they can resurrect Nazi Germany in the future. Fast forwarding into the 60s, the surviving officials kidnap a scientist with expertise in nerve gas in an attempt to conquer the world. The scientist's son-in-law is a security operative, and the scientist's daughter travel to Mandoras to rescue the scientist and foil the evil plot. And it really doesn't star anybody that we would know of. It's very, you know, small stars in it. But it is definitely a cool, um, definitely a cool movie to watch. It's only 91 minutes, so it's fairly short. And they have done some um, some references in popular culture to the movie, specifically The Simpsons. There was two episodes that kind of uh, that kind of or actually, I'm sorry, there's five episodes that kind of um, mirrored what was going on in that movie and kind of like lampooned it a little bit. So. Definitely a cool movie. I would have, you know, nudge everybody to check it out if they could. They saved yeah. Hitler's brain from 1968. Well, All right, Eddie, what do you got over there? I got one here. It's funny that you guys are saying that because they, for a second, I guess it's the same idea more likely, but this one is more like it's I'm not saying the thing from another world. That's not the movie I'm talking about. The overall movie that I'm talking about has a similar name. It could either be called chill factor or also known as cold night's death with robert culp and eli wallach did any of you guys see that it was in 1973 no it's kind of where two scientists suspect they they have a bunch of um animals and one of the animals is really not there in their polar station it's it's not what it seems to be it's kind of like a big giant wolf it's kind of like the thing but it's it's called the chill a cold night's death Mm. It's got similar to Fro. I thought when Chuck said originally Frozen Death, I said maybe that's another name because they did call it a chill factor in, in some at some times earlier on. And but anyway, that's called Cold Night's Death, and it 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 was a really good film. And it's it's very you know it's like the time and um, it is in color, of course. It's 1973, but it's kind of like. Similar to the island of Dr. Moreau. Remember that movie? Oh, that was great. It, it's similar to that. There, there's one of their primates, is 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 kind of like not a prime, you know, not what it is. It's like a wolf, and it's kind of it's real cool. I mean, I saw it a long, long time ago, but I remember the movie being really good. Um, 
So are we going to go round robin? Or you want me to give you another one that I think is really? Yeah, good? we'll go over to uh, to Jason and see what he has. Gotcha. Yeah, I was trying to think. I, I, I don't rewatch a lot of movies, but we watched one recently with the kids called uh, Rasputin the Mad Monk from 1966. Oh, that's a great movie. An old uh, Hammer film with Christopher Lee. And the kids loved it, surprisingly, because they haven't watched a lot of Hammer films. <laughs> wow. And, and then we we were watching uh, Batman Begins, and and we're all of us were kind of upset at how the Scarecrow in that movie was kind of wimpy, and we're thinking if Christopher Lee had been in there as a Scarecrow, it would have been awesome. Oh, that would have been a good one. Yeah, that would have been cool. But yeah, uh, that Rasputin the Mad Monk that's a that's a really cool movie. I I, I enjoyed it. It has Christopher Lee, uh, Barbara Shelley. Uh, who else is it? Richard Pasco. It's a that's a great movie. That's an old movie, man. <laughs> all, all singing, all dancing. In nineteen seventy something, man. All right, Chuck. What do you got? What's on? What's next on your list there? Well, you know what? There's a movie that I remember when I was a kid. Also, it's called The Shuttered Room, uh, from nineteen sixty seven. Oh. It was with Gig Young and uh, and Carol Lindley. Uh, you know what? If you search her, she acted in a lot of movies way back in the 60s, the early 70s. I, I mean, she looked familiar uh, to you right away. It was it was a really it was a really cool movie, you know. And uh, I like Gig Young. I mean, he was a fantastic actor. He played in a couple of the uh, Twilight Zones, as a matter of fact. And uh, he played in Bruce Lee's last movie, uh, The Game of Death. Uh, they only filmed half of it, and they had to get somebody else. Yeah, well, they 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 did a lot of editing and so forth mm-hmm. but, uh, but gig young played in there as a matter of fact i believe he committed suicide a year later he, i believe he committed suicide in 1979 uh he actually sh- shot his wife his then wife and himself and there was no note or anything so i don't know exactly what was going on there but he was a really cool actor i liked him a lot i think he was married at one time to elizabeth montgomery but yeah check it out it's called the shuttered room and uh carol lindley when she was a kid she was in like an orphanage type of thing and there was some type of a uh some type of a creature or something that was locked into a shuttered room and she went back later as an adult with her then husband which was gig young and so that's where the story takes off from there it was it was it was different. I mean, it was really neat, and that was 1967, I believe. Sounds like an old uh, Lovecraft story. Yeah, it, it, you know that is. I should have. You're you. Oh my goodness, you're good, Jason. I actually, <laughs> I actually, yeah, forgot to mention that is based on H.P. Lovecraft. Yep, one of his stories. I'm a big Lovecraft fan. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Fantastic. Awesome. Very cool. All right, my next one is the Secret of the Blue Room. From 1933, it's a pre-code mystery film directed by Kurt Newman, and it stars the the famous Lionel Atwell, Gloria Stewart, Paul Lucas, and Edward Arnold. Oh, so lo- wow. So a little bit on the movie, it's a, uh, a woman suitor named Tommy challenges his two rivals to each spend a night in a blue room in which several murders had occurred years before at 1 a.m., Tommy sleeps there on the first night, but disappears at 1 a.m. The second man sleeps there the next night at 12.30 a.m. He starts playing the piano, but is shot half an hour later. As these events occur, a police investigation leads to several answers to several mysteries. On the fifth night, the third man sleeps in the blue room, 
However, he places a dummy in an armchair and conceals himself behind a coat. At 1 a.m., a revolver reaches around the door and fires at the dummy. The man and several police officers jump out of their hiding places. <laughs> After a furious gunfight, the villain is apprehended and discovered to be Tommy. Wow. So it's a very cool movie. Um, You're giving away the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what'd you do there, man? <laughs> yeah, everybody will forget it anyways. It's You know what? There, there's... There's no spoiler alerts on a movie that's no, you know ninety years old. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, that's your fault. No, but it was uh, produced by Carl Lemley Jr., so it does have some some big names attached to it. It's a Universal release, and it came out on uh, July twentieth, nineteen thirty three. It's only sixty six minutes long, so it's a very quick film. But it's one of those films that it really keeps you interested in. On so those sixty-six minutes go by, you know, f- uh, just a few minutes. So right. um, this is a is a more kind of obscure obscure film, but it is known by by uh, you know some people that are horror fans or fans of pre-code films. Uh, it's definitely pre-code. You could see some of the um, the gruesomeness in it that would say, yeah, you know, this this wouldn't have taking place you know you know prior to the Hayes code you know really being implemented so definitely check it out secret of the blue room 1933 mm. all right all right who's next eddie all right all right i got one and now this one here i'm not going to give away the story like uh <clears throat> just did. but this one is cool and now if you guys like flying saucer this is a good one very obscure very few people probably say but they heard of it but it's called 1968, The Bamboo Saucer. Hmm. Anybody of you guys hear that? I, I never heard yeah. of it. Okay, no. The Bamboo Saucer is a flying saucer that is hidden in a red Chinese pheasant village and is sought by a team from the United States and USSR. On finding it, they're going to band together to explore the saucer and take a trip into space. Hmm. Never saw that? I saw that. I think it was in the mid-80s, they used to give that Sunday, uh, what was it called? Sunday classic movies on Channel 11. What was that called, uh, Chuck? Uh, I can't place it right now. You, you remember every Sunday they had a, a something classic or something. But anyway, that's called the Bamboo Saucer. Okay, my cool. Favorite. Not my favorite, one of my my obscure films. <laughs> So go ahead, Chuck. It's your turn. Um, well, here's a comedy. In 1945, the horn blows at midnight. I remember that when I was a kid, seeing it. Seeing uh, it was an old time movie, and it always stuck with me. And I and I, I looked it up recently, and I watched part of it. Wow, Jack Jack Benny, and uh, he plays a guy that goes into a trance, and he was assigned by by an angel to actually, I believe, save the world. And he had to go up on a billboard and climb up and blow the horn at midnight it was it was hilarious jack jack benny did a really good job in there i don't know if you guys ever heard of that movie or not the horn blows at midnight no definitely I haven't heard of that one yeah check it out it's really really cool very a very unusual movie very unusual but it's a comedy awesome yeah. definitely check it out jason you got any other movies um i don't have any old ones i can think of right off the top of my head but there was uh one for around 
2000, I think, called Kung Fu Hustle. That if you haven't seen it, oh, yeah. and you like Kung Fu movies, you should see it because it's oh, like a love a letter to, to Kung Fu movies. Uh. <laughs> Once you get past the first 10 minutes, which are totally, which is totally different than the rest of the movie. So. You know, so. Jason, I, I couldn't get to the first 10 minutes on that film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The first 10 minutes, completely different movie. Once you're through that, then it's all fun and games and uh, special effects and uh, magic and and stuff. Yeah, I I, see. I I don't know about it because I actually changed the channel. I I thought it was Uh, totally different. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead, Joe. Your turn. All right. My next one is The Phantom Express from 1932. Mm. It's another pre-code film, which I I absolutely love pre-code movies because I kind of feel... It was very, the movies after the Hayes Code were very sanitized and there was just too much involved with the code. And and I think a lot of these writers really didn't want to put out the kind of movies that they they wanted to or that they would have prior to the code. So I tend to kind of lead, you know, more towards pre, uh, pre-code movies. But this one, The Phantom Express, it's a mystery crime drama and it's directed by Emery Johnson. It stars William Collier Jr., Sally Blaine, and uh, Hobart, Hobart Bosworth. And uh, I'll read a little bit of the, the plot here. I won't try to give away uh, too much, but the story starts with engineer DJ Smokey Nolan, played by Jay Farrell McDonald, speeding down the tracks at full throttle when he spies an oncoming train directly in his path. He quickly applies the emergency brakes. The train starts screeching to a halt, but then derails. Several passengers are killed. Oh. An investigation cannot find any trace of the oncoming train that caused the derailment. Smokey is fired for negligence. So, you know, this is a mystery crime drama, so I don't want to give too much in it. So, yeah, so yeah, I don't get, you know, hate mail uh, and yell at. <laughs> well, 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 one second, Joe. I got a question. That sounds like the Polar Express, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the pre-code Polar Express. Okay. What do, you, what do you explain to some of our listeners what pre-code means? So pre-code. So pre-code, there was a thing. It was called the um, the Hayes Code, and it really kind of was adopted around the thirty-three, but it didn't take effect really until uh, the mid nineteen thirty-four. So kind of pre-code Hollywood is nineteen twenty-seven to thirty-four. Mm-hmm. And uh, once that Hayes Code kicked in, you know they had a they had a ton of uh, stuff. You couldn't have like a lot of sexual innuendo, um, romantic or sexual relationships between you know black and white people. Uh, profanity was you know had to be very mild. Uh, no legal drug use, promiscuity, prostitution, uh, no intense violence, violence, <laughs> no homosexuality. Uh, the Police had always kind of come out on top. You know, the law was good. The government was good. Um, you know, crime was was bad. And it had to kind of show that the, the criminals, they were getting what they deserved, That's, you know, at the end of at the end of the movie. Sounds a lot like the comic uh, code that came in in the 50s. Yeah, very, <laughs> very kind of. Yeah, very kind of similar yeah. uh, to it. So it really you know, kind of put the restraints on a lot of these writers and, and directors and they didn't really put out the movies that that they wanted to or probably could have. So, um, 
the movies were very, I, I don't want to say boring, but if you look at pre-code and you look at post-code, there's definitely a difference there. Yep. And in my opinion, this is just my opinion, you know, pre-code movies are, they'll keep your attention a lot more than, than post-code mm -hmm. because it, it's more of like, you know, like you said, Jason, you know, if you look at pre-code comic books, you know, they're, they're violent, they're fun to, you know, they're. Yeah, those EC comics are. Yeah, they, they were great to, to read and to look at. Oh. And then kind of after that, it went really kind of <laughs> silly and were for kids. You know, it was like, yep. uh, you know, OK, it was these are kind of cool. But that's kind of how the, the movies went after, you know, postcode when the Hayes Code kicked in is that some of the movies and you could see them through the, you know, that time frame. Some of those movies have a good concept, but they're just hard to get through because, you know, these writers, their, their hands were so shackled on, on what they could do. And, you know, I mean, it is what it is now. And. You know, but I, I would well, advise everyone out there, man, definitely check out some well, pre-code movies. You'll definitely see the difference, and um, I think you'll enjoy them a, a lot more. Like, could lot. you imagine one of our favorite movies, The Old Dark House? <laughs> could you imagine that being made, you know, post-code? Oh, wow. Wow, wow. So, when did the code finish? Like, when was it over? Um, I don't know if it – I'm, I'm going to try to look on here. I don't know if it really – ever kind of lifted i think it kind of just faded out uh yeah, like most of the stuff does none of the movies today actually apply any of those <laughs> no. yeah especially no. like it um... is, uh, get rid of the code movies you know it's called like hey i have um yeah but that was kind of like how the the comics code was just kind of really um just kind of faded around yeah so i think more of during like the 60s is when it really started mm -hmm. um you know, really fading out and people were just kind of just doing what they wanted. So, well, I got a movie here, Joe and Doug and Jason that I'm shocked you guys haven't even brought up. It's an obscure movie. It's definitely a movie that I think 80% uh, of us will like, but I know it, it's, it was done in 1972. Okay. And it's, let's see, it's directed by Bill Norton. Anybody want to take a guess? Hmm. No? No idea. No. No. Okay, I can tell you that the stars were Wild, Cornel Wild, Jennifer Salt, Jason Hall. Still nobody knows the name? Oh, no. Wow. Not okay, it's an anthropologist and a paleontologist and his daughter. While traveling through the southwestern U.S., stumble upon a colony of living, breathing... Oh, oh wow! Dinosaurs, gargoyles. Oh, gargoyles! Oh, gargoyle. oh, I saw that movie. Yeah. That was cool. I love that movie. You say you never saw it, Jason? No, I have seen it. It looked like it was done on a budget, about sixty-five dollars. No, oh, let, let me tell you something. Gargoyles. Actually, the guy from uh, Starsky and Hutch is in it. The movie is. Um, That's a cool movie. It's a really good film, and the for the year and time. I mean, what's your take on it, uh, Joe? That was a made-for-TV movie, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, we're mm -hmm. talking about obscure movies. Yeah, that was a made-for-TV. Yeah, so definitely going to have a uh, less-than-desirable production budget, I would, sure. I would think. Sure. <laughs> but did you see it, Joe? You know what? I, I, I vaguely remember it from, gosh, probably the 90s I seen it. I, I would I, definitely something I have to revisit again, but I do remember being like a made for T guy. Probably watched it. They probably you know 
had it on one of the local channels again, but I do remember it being a made for TV. Okay, well, I have to revisit it though. What year was that from again? 1972. You got it. Let me tell you something the movie, not only is it well done, but the in a low budget film, they're awesome. I mean, they this cargo of things look like real things, yeah. I mean, it's actually scary, like, it's a really good film, yeah. I haven't seen that in probably 30 years. I'd like to go back and watch that. That was a cool movie, yeah. That's definitely a movie that it's not like I said, scary. Nuts, but the thing is with the movie itself, even if you look in the computer, if you're able to look up right now and see some, the movie was really good. It, it's, it's a, I would say it's equivalent with the graphics of uh, Jeepers Creeper, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, and for being, like I said, a low budget film, it wasn't even oh. rated, but it's one of those films that you guys have been missing on. That was the, the first film that Stan Winston worked on, apparently. Yeah, something, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Wow. But very, very good film. Nice. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, who's next? I got one. Uh, this is a movie that's one of my favorites, and I've talked about it before, and I actually saw it when it was current. 1971, I went to the drive-in. Uh, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing, and I, and I currently watch this movie about twice a year. Huge fan. The Abominable Dr. Fives. Oh, wow, yeah. And that's, and that's <laughs> with, of course, uh, Vincent Price. There was two of them, by the way. Yeah, the return of Doctor Fives was uh, about a year or two later, nineteen seventy-two, nineteen seventy-three. Uh, basically, Doctor Fives's wife, Victoria, she was on the operating table when she died, and he wanted revenge, and so he actually come up with a really crazy way to kill each of the surgeons. Uh, it's it's a real oh my goodness, a really cool movie. Uh, 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 the girl that played Victoria, the wife, in the first one. Eddie knows. I'd like him to get her on the show if it's possible. Uh, that's uh, Carolyn Monroe. And uh, the second Dr. Fives, The Return of Dr. Fives, the girl that played uh, Victoria was Virginia North. But uh, excellent movies. Uh, you know what the first one I think is even better. So check it out. 1971, I believe. The Abominable Dr. Fives. Alright, very yeah, cool. Alright, mm-hmm. right, so the next one I got uh, is... A 1931 pre-code horror film, and I'm gonna give you guys the names right now, and I want you to to look it up online, like searching the images because it has a fantastic poster. It is called "The Drums of Jeopardy." So oh, if you type wow. in "The Drums of Jeopardy 1931," check out the images and look at the the poster. It's of like a mad scientist in like this dungeon. Um, working in his lab and then there's two faces that are looking through i don't know if it's like a window or something yeah. you guys see it it's like clara bow in there <laughs> that's cool i mean is that not a cool yeah. poster or what man just the the greens you know the different shades of green and everything i it's really cool so this one is a uh it stars warner oland and everybody out there should know who warner oland is he was the famous detective. Come on, does anybody know it? Charlie Chan. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I got you. I got you. Yeah. He played Charlie Chan in, in 16 films. He also played Dr. Uh, Fu Manchu. But in this one, you have Warner Olin, June Collier, and Lloyd Hughes, directed by George B. Seitz. And little bit about the film is in the Russian Empire, the nobleman Prince Gregor Petrov 
seduces chemist Boris Karlov, not Karlov, but Karlov's (laughs) daughter, Enya, who then commits suicide after becoming pregnant. After discovering Anya's body with the drums of jeopardy, a necklace owned by the Petrov family, Karloff vows revenge against them. Wow. Wow, It looks like a really, this is a a really cool movie. It's only 75 minutes long. Came out March 2nd, 1931. And I definitely recommend to check it out. Even just by looking at the poster, you got to be like, this is a cool looking movie, man. Wait a second. I didn't even know Karloff had another daughter. Yeah. <laughs> There's something you didn't tell us, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So uh, who's next? Uh, me again, I guess. Yep, all you. Okay. <laughs> man, I'm I'm very shocked that you guys are coming back like with the gargoyles. Well, what about this? I know they've made several movies that are similar, but at the Earth's core. Come on. I think I've seen that one. What at year was the, that one? At the Earth's core. Joe, what's going on here? 1976. That's when the, a team of scientists have a, a machine and they start drilling. And then when they start drilling, they're running a, a, a test run, their iron mold, iron mold drilling machine. And they come up uh, an underground world of prehistoric creatures. And this is kind of similar to uh, the, the Harry House in films. It's kind of like the Titans, like that. It has a similar stop stop motion. Yeah, and and at the Earth's core, actually, um, it's very very similar to the one that this guy who did Iron Man, what's his name, the junior, the famous. Uh, yeah, Robert Downey. Jr. Robert, you know, like he goes into the cent- journey to the center of the Earth. Yeah, it's very similar to that. It's it's actually almost like the same kind of thing, but it it's a really nice film. It's I, it's a. And, I actually did an article on that film for Scary Monsters magazine, and I oh. believe it. I'm trying to look here what um, I can't remember what issue it was. I believe it was number. I thought you hadn't even heard of the film. Uh, <laughs> I think it was number one hundred one hundred four. No, I can't remember. I'm trying to look it up now. I can't. Joe, yeah, I can't remember what it was called, but there was a lot of. Um, we did in that issue a lot of uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, films. I can't remember which which number it was. <laughs> what is your take on the film, Joe? You didn't. You I like you know what I, I liked the film. I thought it was I thought it was ah. really cool. So it's so it was in issue number uh, one eleven. It's about time. Um, Scary monsters came out winter of twenty nineteen. But I, I liked the film. I thought it was really cool. Um, it was. You know, it wasn't the same as the the book. Uh, it it kind of emulated the book a little bit, but there was some differences. Um, but I, I liked the movie. I thought it was I thought it was very interesting. Um, you know, you, you know uh, who was in the Carolyn Monroe was was in there, correct? Yes. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, she was you know absolutely fantastic in it as always. <laughs> you know, it's Carolyn yeah, Monroe. And, and what good, what good, else could you good. say? You know, <laughs> you know. You know, Joe, when you look at it, actually, you got Carolyn Monroe in this one. Then you got, uh, which, you know, I almost cried when I heard she died, man. Raquel Welch. Oh, yeah. I guess the reason is because Raquel Welch pillow from the Honor House comic books. It, you know, me having that, it, it kind of really bothered me because, in a sense, a piece of mail order died with her. And, um, you know, I, I grew up, like I said, not really 
you know, watching too much of her, but I always saw the comic book ads that had her. So to me, she was kind of like a novelty kind of thing. And um, but anyway, you had one million BC, and then you had uh, Jane Fonda, and and this particular movie had the Earth Core always had like a nice, beautiful girl in it. Even now, uh, the time travel, the machine, uh, with uh, what do you call that? The time travel machine. When is it called the time? Yeah, the time traveling. Or what? What is the name of it, Chuck? Is that is that the time? Is that the time machine? The time machine. That's correct. Yeah. Time yeah. Machine. Uh, where it had the nice, beautiful blonde in the end there, you know, <laughs> not in the end, but that's all those films are kind of like pretty cool to watch. Uh, yeah. They were kind of made like with the same style as Hercules, which was like old and new at the same time, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, you, you know what, what kind of sucks is that at, at the Earth's core, it really wasn't well uh, received. I know they did a episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000 on it. Um, there was a lot of that came out in like you know New York Times and all that that didn't give it a very favorable review. But I think if you're a fan of sci-fi movies, you're a fan of Edgar Rice Burroughs movies, I think you'll enjoy it. Unless you're one of those hardcore fans where you know not one one iota could deviate from the book. But you know it, it's a cool movie. It's I mean it's from the seventies. You know you got to kind of watch it in the time it was filmed. Yeah, it's funny. I'm looking at the, the the New York Times review, and they're saying all the money used to make it, and it had a budget of 1.5 million. And uh, you look at the movie, the blockbusters made today, 300, 400 million dollars. Oh, yeah. that's <laughs> chicken feed. Jeez. Yeah, I don't think they gave it, you know, kind of a fair review. I I, I think because my, I I think because you had some big names in it, you know. Doug McClure, which every time I see his name, I always think of Troy McClure <laughs> yeah. from yeah, yeah. Simpsons, who they actually, <laughs> you know, based that character off of, and yeah. Peter Cushing, Carolyn Monroe. So you had some, you had some very big names attached to it, and I thought that maybe, um, along with Kevin Connor directing it, they thought that this would be a lot more than it was, and I, I think it's a case of, you know, is maybe overhyped, and they were kind of projecting it to be. Um, a lot better, and then when they watched it, it didn't live up to their their expectations of what they perceived the movie to be. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, definitely watch it with an open mind, and you know that it is from the seventies, and I think it, you know it's a very enjoyable movie. Nice. Well, you know, Joe, to make it, you know, some of those movies, like when you say from the seventies, I understand, but like say, for example, the TV shows like Journey to the Bottom of the Sea and all that stuff. Uh, they were also aired around the same time, give or take. They were pretty good films, Joe. I got to admit to that. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of good stuff that came out in the 70s. And um, like I said, you know, every, I feel every decade you have to watch it in the, you know, kind of like in the decade it was produced and, you know, a little, know a little bit about the actors, you know, what kind of technology was used at the time. Because I think a lot of people look at these movies, you know, at the, you know, the eyes of today of the technology that we have today and go, Oh, you know, this is kind of right. you know campy and all that. But, you know, if you look at it, you know, they're using Technicolor and all that. And, you know, it's just, it is what it is. They had some, you know, guys in suits, you know, for the monsters and all that. And it was, it was a lower, it was a big budget, but it was, you know, kind of a, a lower type budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. You know, it was, it was big, you know, and the fact that it was a couple, you know, a couple million, 1.5 million, 
some estimates are, are 400 to 500,000 as well, but you know, it just, it's, it's a fun movie. You know, it, yeah. it's not a, an award winner, but <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. All right. I got, I got one. This goes to 1972 and uh, I saw this when it was current also. It's a, it's a, it's a cult classic, I guess the thing with two heads and that's with uh, Rosie Greer and Ray Milland. He was a, very popular actor at that time uh, and um he had a he had a person he had a personality you know like i've seen different movies of him very serious actor you know he seemed actually kind of kind of like miserable but uh <laughs> yeah uh, for him to take on a role like that was really pretty shocking i guess but um yeah it's you know it's a really really cool story uh, uh, you know it's it, it's like you said joe campy type of thing where uh, his head gets sewed onto Rosie Greer's uh, body, <laughs> and they <laughs> and they kind of argue throughout the whole movie and everything. It's it has a lot of funny parts to it. And uh, there's two people that did a cameo in there: Casey Kasem and Pat Priest, who was uh, Marilyn from the Munsters. Or uh, they they do a brief thing in there also. But if you want to see a unique movie, very <laughs> unusual, 1972, The Thing with Two Heads. Oh, that almost sounds like a, one of the Black Spot exploitation movies yeah yeah right does yeah it's funny because it's you could definitely see you know um oh, what's the white guy's name because it's a white guy and black guy but what's the white guy's name you could definitely tell that he's standing behind the uh <laughs> the other guy with the suit you know over him yeah. and all that it's yeah yeah it, it's it's pretty funny but they also did a um a simpsons treehouse of horror that was based on that was neat i loved it yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely a uh, a cool flick to check out. What do you got, Eddie? No, no, no. Uh, what I was going to mention, it's actually Jason's uh, turn first. I think I've got Is one. It? I've got one. I was trying to think of what old movie have I watched that stuck with me, and one was um, a Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. Ooh, oh, yeah, very good. Nineteen twenty, uh... and that one, and it just it's just disturbing i guess even even yes. today it's disturbing that's to watch that's some, i mean some horror movies are just fun and some some are campy and but some are yeah, but, generally unsettling and then that's an unsettling one it, yeah that is unsettling you're right yeah that's definitely german expressionism at, at its best right yeah. there <laughs> yeah that, you know, that, that were, the 20s yeah is it joe don't you think that they kind of like all the movies they kind of have the same premises like uh uh, the island of Dr. Moreau and, and that one, the cabinet of Dr. It's kind of similar. Didn't they also make a movie around that time called um, the kind of clone Hitler? What was that one called, Joe or Chuck? I don't remember them. You remember they cloned him into five different kids? Oh, that would have been the boys from Brazil, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The boys from oh, Brazil. Oh, okay. It kind of reminded me of that when you say they all kind of have. But I have a film, guys. I have another film here. I'm throwing a couple of films, and I'm kind of shocked um, at some of the response here, uh, people forgetting them. How about Beneath Battle Beneath the Earth? Anybody heard that? No. 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 How about you, Chuck? <laughs> Chuck? No, that kind of slips my mind, though. That's when a Chinese general goes berserk, and he starts making a bunch of tunnels from China to the USA, under the Pacific Ocean, and then there's a man that discovers it, and they lock him up because they think he's crazy. But eventually, they have to go underground, and you know. Now I saw that film probably in 1976. 
because I remember it was so, but I, what I kind of liked about the film the most, there's a girl there. Her name is actually Vivian Ventura. And it, it also started Robert Irie. And, and now this is a 1967 film. And there's a part, right? They're like in a cave, they're fighting. And where they're fighting, um, you know, the girl's wearing like an entire one-piece suit, like a jumpsuit, whatever. And, and it's kind of, you know, she goes up against the corner and she starts like to remove the suit. And when she brings the zipper down a little, you know, that, that scene stuck in my mind forever. <laughs> <laughs> nah. But I, I saw that one because I, I think I saw the, actually that film around the same week or same month as I did Journey, not Journey to the Center of the Earth, but at the Earth's core. Because every Sunday, either you watched Abbott and Costello on around 1 p.m., 2 p.m., they always had classic films. And I forget the name of the theater. It was called something theater. And it would either, I forgot if it was either Channel 7 or Channel 11. But you always got to see, that's all you got to see on Sunday. You couldn't see, you know, Bugs Bunny and the other cartoons and stuff. Because that was only Monday to Friday. Then on the weekends. But anyway, it's called Battle Beneath the Earth. You guys got to watch it. It's really good. Yeah, I'll check it out. So, Very cool. All right. my The one I have next is The Return of Chandu. It is from 1934. It's a 12-episode serial cliffhanger. Has anybody out there seen this one? I haven't seen it, Joe. No. Exactly which one you're talking about, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, so it's a serial cliffhanger. There's 12 episodes. It's a total of 208 minutes, and it stars the one and only Bela Lugosi as Frank Chandler, a.k.a. Shandu the Magician. Uh, so this is a, um, this, this is, I tell you what, this is a very cool, uh, cool movie. It's right there on the verge of the, uh, the code. Uh, it kind of came out right after, but was filmed right before, you know, it really kicked in. So you kind of get a little mix of, of pre and post code in it. And, um, it's definitely worth checking out. You know, sometimes with the, the serials, people try to watch them, you know, all the way through, and it kind of loses the magic of what a serial cliffhanger was intended. And for those out there not familiar with serial cliffhangers, is that, you know, usually they ran anywhere from 12 to 15 minutes. The first episode was usually a little bit longer. It ran closer to, you know, 18 to 20 minutes. But then all the chapters following that ran anywhere from 12 to 15 minutes. And sometimes if they were... Because these films, these serial cliffhangers were, were very low budget and were geared towards kids. Um, sometimes they, they start running out of, out of money, you know, halfway through or something. So you might see, you know, one or two chapters in. They, they, they'll kind of go over previous chapters before that and try to catch everybody up. Because you got to remember at the time, kids would go to the movie theater you know, once a week, you know, say on a Sunday or something, and they'd watch their, their cartoons, and then chapter one would play. So the following week, they'd go chapter two would play, and so on. So some of these chapters, they were kind of cool, because if you missed, you know, any of the other ones, you could get caught up. But it was more for the production companies to to save money, because they were either um, running out of money, or they pr were projected to go over budget or running out of time as well. So there could have been a lot of things that were put in on them. But, you know, if you watch some of these, you know, cliffhangers now at your house, 
it's good to watch maybe you know two three or four episodes and then revisit it again you know the following week or the week after and let that kind of anticipation build for it but yeah the return of chandu it's it's a great um great serial it's based off of the radio series chandu the the magician and i, I recommend everyone out there check it out it I mean, it's got Bela Lugosi. What more do you need? Yeah, <laughs> Joe, did, Joe, did you ever watch the uh, 12 era serial from um, the master mystery Houdini? Did you ever get to see that? No, you know what? I, I that one's that one's tough to find. I haven't been able to. Um, I got a whole pile of serials that me and a buddy are, are going through now, and that Houdini one, I, I haven't found it yet. No, I see. No, because I, I thought I was just wondering if you did, because I was wondering your intake on it. Yeah, a lot of this, a lot of these serials are lost, or they have bad copies out there. Um, there are some places like the Serial Squadron that are um, they're they're finding and preserving a lot of these films, and they're remastering them and, and putting them out on DVD or Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. So, and I know that a couple months ago, the guy that owns Serial Squadron just came across a collector who had something like over a hundred of these 16 millimeter movies in his garage and they were working on going through them and, um, and trying to transfer as many as they could to, to Blu-ray. Wow. So, you know, a lot of these serial cliffhangers that the, um, the films are bad. So you might get bad sound, bad visual of effects. Um, some of them are lost. You know, some of the chapters are lost. So you might get a, a 15 chapter serial that, you know, you have, chapters two seven and eleven you know and that doesn't really yeah. give you too much with the you know what's going on so yeah yeah you know uh i'll tell you what right before we end the show today because i know we're running short is uh joe because i know this is something you always did and, and i took this from you this idea but i challenge every listener and all of us to see that there's a movie particularly joe that you probably enjoy it's called journey to the far side of the sun any of you guys seen that movie ever? It sounds familiar, but I don't believe I've seen it. Okay, it's actually Roy Thinnes is in it. I actually met Roy Thinnes in Chiller, and I had him autograph a, a big poster of that particular film. But I challenge it. It's basically after Apollo 11, basically, they, they, they find a, an Earth-like planet in the opposite side of the sun. I don't want to say much, what, but it's a really good film, because otherwise you guys won't, don't want to tell you what it's about. But it's a really good film. Uh, as would they try to actually go to and, and see what you know what the planet is all about, but anyway, I, I just thought for next week it'll be fabulous if you guys try to watch it. Cool. Oh, that just reminded me of uh, what was that movie back in the seventies, Capricorn Eight? That was yeah, the big well, moon landing uh, movie. That was yeah, Capricorn Eight. But this is a nineteen sixty nine film, and it's called Journey to the Far Side of the Sun, and the stars are Roy Thinnes. Um, I mean, Roy Dennis is the one that I remember most of all, and Robert Parrish. The director is actually Robert Parrish. So maybe Joe, I think Joe will like it, and I also think uh, Chuck will love it too. I mean, yeah, I don't think me and Chuck will like it really. Nice, <laughs> yeah. I have to try to check that out. I've, I don't think I've ever seen that movie, not that I could remember, but it, it sounds interesting. Well, remember I, what I said that, uh, and Jason, I don't know if you ever heard that, but there's a film called The Airplane That Disappear. Ooh, I like that movie. That was cool. 
What is it, Joe? The flight that disappeared, the airplane? What yeah, is I it think it was the flight that the flight, the flight, yeah, the flight. That, that was a very good black and white film. Yeah, I liked it Phenomenal. a lot. And it's so obscure, you don't even see it in the in, in anywhere, not even on DVD or whatever. No, you're right. You're right. Cool. Hey, I got one final movie. I know we're short on time. Uh, 1964, The Incredible Mr. Limpet with Don Knotts. So, you know, when I was a kid, when I seen that, uh -oh. what fascinated me was that drawing. They really did a good job, you know, like the animation. I mean, it, it, that fish looked like Don Knotts. I mean, it was amazing. And uh, it was just a cool story. A nice, nice, you know, warm-hearted story. It was funny. It was really cool. Uh, the Incredible Mr. Limpa, that was made in 1964, the year I, uh, the year I was born. Wow. Well, there, you know, we got it. There's... There's a whole bunch of movies tonight that I got to mm -hmm. list off and definitely sit down and watch. And, and some that I haven't seen in a, a long time, like, especially the one you're talking about, the boys from Brazil um, from 1978 that I, I've never seen that one. And that looks really cool. And, you know, kind of like the late sixties and seventies is not really the time frame where I've seen a lot of movies, which over the years I've been trying to see, more and more from that that time period right i usually do kind of you know oh. you know early 60s on down to the the silent era and then you know a little bit from the 80s because you know i was born in the 80s so I, that's the horror movies i grew up with and caused my love for all these films but yes yeah, for some reason you know late 60s and through the 70s i just kind of i don't know i've, I've never really there's a lot of depressing movies in that period. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. Like, like the yeah, it was a really Brazil. weird time frame for, for some of that stuff. It was, you know, they were they were very low budget. They were trying to be gory and really pushing the envelope on what they can, you know, what they can do in the movies. And I think a lot of that was like, you know, when, when you outlaw something, you know, especially, you know, like during Prohibition and all that for alcohol, you know, People mm -hmm. want to do more and more, and they want to push the envelope. I think it was the same with movies when they were outlawing, you know, this and that of what you can and can't do in the movies. When it was finally lifted, you know, people were just pushing the envelope as much as they could, and most were doing it with as little money as they could. So, but yeah. guys, we're down to the last uh, minute here. So, I want to thank everybody for joining us. I want to thank everybody out there in podcast land for joining us. We are here every week for you guys. So don't forget to uh, check us out on your favorite podcast platform, like our, our episodes, subscribe to our channel. We're also on YouTube. Houseoftheunusual.com is our flagship site. We have a, a free form there. You could check us out. If you want to want us to talk about anything that, uh, that you're interested in or that you want to hear new, that's the place to drop us a line. If you have your own little... Um, you know, stuff that you're interested in, collectibles, movies, or whatnot, and you want to be a guest on the show, hey, you know, you don't have to be an expert. You just got to be a fan, and you're more than welcome to come and join us. Drop us a line at houseoftheunusual.com. So, Eddie, Chuck, Jason, that's all we got for today, guys. Thank you for joining us. So, Sherry, wherever you are out there, hope <laughs> you feel better. And good night, everyone. All right. Good night. Good night. Everybody. God bless. Good night. Good night.